Oh, 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 so curious. Oh, I love that. I got a real good cringe from rolling over there. It's oh so curious. It's a new Sunday. It is a wonderful day in a world where we are being inundated with new Disney properties. Too many, too many if you ask me. Wow, it was D23 this weekend, and there's literally too much to get to. We'll talk about a lot of it. There's a lot of other content. There's the Lord of the Rings stuff, the Game of Thrones stuff. We're covering it all. We're talking about it, talking about the issues surrounding pop culture and entertainment. I'm Andrew Frankel, and joining me today, I've got Mr. Roland Underground. Roland, how are you doing today? I'm good, Andrew. How are, how are you? You know, I'm sleepy. Maybe I drank too much last night. Who knows? Is this a hangover? We'll find out. But it's, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I'm certainly pumped and energized and singing and happy. I love that. Uh, are, are you singing and happy today? I'm singing and happy in my own way. And my own way is deep inside where I'll hide it and I won't release it for, you know, a year or two. Not a song to be heard over there on the East Coast. Unless Dan, Dan, are you going to sing for us today? Are you feeling good? I don't... No? no, I don't. I don't think I feel like singing today. Um, okay. Although I'm, well, I'm looking at your black hats there. I'm like, you. Did you get enough sleep? Uh, Jesus, the, the circles. Oh you mean? Yeah. No, I've had these. Um, these are just sort of part of my personality. Okay. They, they, just making sure. My visage. That is what I am. Yeah, I'm a I raccoon. put makeup on mine. Oh, do you? Yeah. I. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah, I might get them tattooed even darker at a certain point in my life, just so that people stop asking me about them. Yeah. Dedicate to like the Tim Burton cause, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to call them up and tell them like, hey, I got this going on if you want to use it. Yeah. You know, got to take care of that Johnny Depp character, though. Yeah. So that's um that's what's going on with me. How's everything else in your corner of the world? Are you excited about anything in particular with like the new releases? Is there anything worth talking about uh you know with so much content you gotta like some of it it's it's there's there's no way they can just release all this stuff and you you can't like all right that's interesting uh for me i think it's a werewolf by night it's what like, is that it's i first they're going like with this whole like 40s aspect of it which i think will be really interesting we're gonna get um like uh, the first appearance of Man Thing, which is like Swamp Thing, but it's different. What is what really is, is this connected thing. to anything? Is it Marvel? Is it? It's, yeah, Marvel? it's yeah, it's it's like MCU. Okay. And it's like a little Halloween special that they're doing, and I think it's just like basically, you know, we got a werewolf, and then we got some monster hunters, and they're just gonna. We'll see. They 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 gave a teaser, but you don't really see too much of it, which I like. I want them to keep that. You know. Yeah. Like, it's uh, I, the thing I liked about it the most, and we can talk about it a little bit later when we talk about D23 in detail, but I liked that they had this special Marvel presentation logo thing that looked very different from their usual Marvel Studios bumper graphic that they use. So mm -hmm. that was interesting. It starts off different. It's got a, it's not, so I don't know if this is like their new version of a one shot. Like, you know, I, I think they stopped doing one shots, which were like basically short films. So maybe now these specials are going to be sort of like that one off kind of a thing they also have the guardians of the galaxy holiday special which they didn't talk about at all at d23 so i don't know what's going on with that but 
Is yeah, that the stage good. of consumerism we've entered where like all we have to all they have to do is show us a logo and we get excited? Like the movie doesn't even have to be good. We just go, "Oh, they're making that." And now now we're on the edge of our seat for the next, you know, 6 months yeah. until we actually get to go pay to see it and then it's like, "Boy, that logo is cool." That's I don't their know. We seems like yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I remember seeing like you know, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. That's my yes. hot take. Hot yeah. take. Disney's got a Disney's got a logo fetish. That's that's uh I think that's well established. Not the only do they, they have one, but they're like it's you know, it's I mean, when you talk about fetish. It sort it's of like... started with Marvel, but now it's like it's well, I don't know if it starts with yeah. Marvel because you know, it's you watch a move Fast and Furious movie, right? Like you watch a trailer for Fast and Furious, they give you the movie trailer, the movie logo, but they yeah. don't say they don't put the Universal logo on top of it. But everything Disney does is Disney's Pinocchio, or it's yeah. Pixar and Disney's uh, Inside Out, for example. Um, yeah, it's like Marvel Studios Thor. Like you know, it's like they'd love to stick their. It's all about branding. That's what it is. So. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, but like, you know, that's. That, that's all we got with like the t the timeline at Comic-Con of like all the different Marvel things and it's like and there are some gaps and all they've done is like they've just they've created slightly different logos for the Avengers and you know it's like that's enough for our imagination to, I know uh, but that's always been the thing I remember like Thor Ragnarok when it came out the first logo we ever had was like super serious and then when you finally get to the final it's like it's bright and colorful and it's all this yeah, I'm just saying like the marketing has taken on a life of its own. It's become like we get we get excited for the marketing at this point. We will talk about like basically all of the exciting stuff because there's too much to cover from everything in D23. But in the meantime, let's just tell you what's going on on the show today. Dan, give us a rundown. Okay. Well, we're going to start as we usually do with quick hits, um, weekly movie news. Let's see what happened. There's a lot happening in the world of movies. Uh, Marvel at D23, as we were just hinting at, we're going to review all the stuff they talked about at that panel. Rings of Power, Episode 3. So Catriona and Mags reviewed that. Uh, we'll take a look at that as well. Festival Ovations. We're going to talk about, you know, is are they overblown? Are they actually, you know, uh, worth paying attention to? And then we're going to finish with Roland Underground. Roland Underground's got a birthday special for us this week, so we'll take a look at that as well. Well, that's all pretty good. Um, while we're getting started here, shall we talk about the She-Hulk stuff? We, we could, but, you know, <laughs> I was actually... If, let me see, you know what, did we? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? Why not? I'm sorry. I, I confused myself. I was looking at, at the internal rundown and I was like, are we supposed to do that first or are we supposed to talk about Pinocchio? I guess it doesn't matter. But oh, really? <laughs> does it matter? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. We, we can we can start with She-Hulk. Let's, let's start there. I, yeah. Yeah. That seems <laughs> to be what with... I wrote down. So it's on me. I'm just going by the... <laughs> she -Hulk. We wrongly shifted. We're getting back in track. Now we're talking about She-Hulk and... And that mess, or that success, yeah. depends on how you look at it. I I gotta be honest with you guys. It's the last episode was so bad that I was like, they can only go up from here. And yeah, there's you know, it wasn't as bad as last week, but like the graphic says, please, please 
make it stop. I am in agony as, you know, that Key and Peele sketch um, would say. Um, the episode was, like I said, a step up from the one before it, but we've got things like Titania is suing She-Hulk or what's her character name? Jen Walters for copyright infringement because she what? trademarked the She-Hulk name first to use as her fashion line and sees a she's a super powered influencer and I'm like this is so this okay no I mean I'm literally like my skin is crawling right now because of how gross all of that is the self-awareness of that the uselessness of trying to like make it relevant that way is so disgusting to me I mean it's literally repulsive there's some irony in what you just said too, right? The usefulness of trying to make it relevant. It's like, I don't know, would you call it an oxymoron? Whatever you want to, it's... I don't know. It's just like, what What does that do? What is, she's an influencer. She has a fashion line. So now She-Hulk is a Kardashian who twerks with Megan the Stallion. I'm not happy about it. It's just, ugh. Oh my God. I mean, God, and then they've almost like stuff. made a mockery of, of Wong. It's, it's, it's... I mean, they had Donnie Blaze in this, which, again, you know, cameos, hint, hint, Easter eggs, galore. But I honestly don't know. I mean, you know, then then she's dating, uh, which is was hinted at in the trailers before all of this started. But, like, you look at the kind of stuff that's happening here, and, and honestly, I, I don't know where this show is going. That's the biggest thing for me. It's like we are four episodes in, and... Even episodic television, right? Like you watch a 26-episode season of The X-Files. You would have the first couple episodes really get you going on what the season arc was. And then, you know, they would do Monster of the Week episodes. And then maybe here and there, they would have like a long-term arc episode, basically. And then the mid-season finale and premiere would happen. And then you would wrap many, up the season arc at the end. This show has not hinted have? at what the big story is yet. What's, what's the plan for the number of episodes in this in this season? There's nine. Six. Oh, is it nine? There's nine. Nine? Yeah. And so this was episode four? four? Four, yeah. And Okay, so we're halfway through about, and we have no idea where it's going. Right. I mean, so let me ask we've you got like this. hints of a conflict, but four episodes in, I'm like, I don't care if the episodes are 20 minutes or 50 minutes apiece. Four episodes into a show, you should know exactly where this thing is headed otherwise you've got problems yeah. like it's it, it's a writing problem like beyond anything else i mean this show has forget plenty, the bad CGI. good share of, of writing problems roland what were you gonna ask i i just um i've been seeing a lot of things on like you know twitter and stuff like that saying how people were so upset about the you know the megan the stallion thing and like her twerking and being dumb and silly and stuff like that so what do you guys say of the I don't know, maybe the contradiction of like, oh, if we saw Deadpool do this, you wouldn't have this much hate that's going around. You know, if we had um, like this this other kind of... Are people saying that kind character. of stuff? Yeah, yeah, the, people are saying... Uh, so. Here, let me, let me be uh, super clear. I think it's cheap when Deadpool do, does it. I think it's, it's, it's dumb. The useless cameos, the pandering, it happened in Pinocchio too, where they they reference Chris Pine in Pinocchio. You know, like what oh, you've because, done is... because his last name is Pine and Pinocchio is yeah, made of pine what, wood. Oh what, my god. What you've what it's you've lazy. done is you've rendered your movie 
irrelevant as soon as people forget who Chris Pine is. As you know, so whereas Pinocchio, the animated movie, will be relevant probably Timeless. forever. Yeah. This is now you have now tarnished it with pop culture and you have made it time full. <laughs> it's not timeless. Right. That is a great point. And I have thought about yeah. that with Ryan Reynolds that we, we love him to death and he makes all these awesome, almost inside jokes, you know, yeah. because he's mentioning pop culture and 80s things. But you fast forward 20 years and these movies Who's that gonna care? Thinking are timeless are going to be so out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but but here's the thing when you when you mentioned the whole fourth wall breaks and like, you know, the twerking and all that stuff, I I see Deadpool doing that. I mean, okay, so there's two Deadpool movies and you go back and you watch those. Most of the fourth wall breaks, not every single one of them, but the vast majority of them, they're done well. They're well written. Because the thing is, a good fourth wall break is witty. It's it's well acted. It's well timed. It's well placed. And also in Ryan show, Reynolds the writing well cast is so in bad. He does that. He does fourth wall stuff. Even his TikTok stuff, you know, like the thing he did with Will Ferrell. Um, he just, he's mastered that. It's part of his personality. You know, mm -hmm. to be self-aware, even as early as Van Wilder, he was always commenting on the situation he was in as a sense, as a form of comedy. And it worked that he, yeah. that's who he is. So I guess the, the point I'm trying to make and to get away from Ryan Reynolds, because yeah. this, this is about She-Hulk. Um, would you say that whenever, you know, they, they're, they're self-aware and they're not afraid to be dumb and goofy does that just that completely takes away any seriousness in the writing for you guys the moment well, they start making silly <laughs> jokes like that i think the thing about this show is that they said from the outset that we're not going to take it too seriously but they haven't been consistent and so some of their social messaging is really like we're not sure if we're supposed to be laughing at that because it's so laughably written and then mm -hmm. the humor doesn't land because it's like, well, you were just scolding us for, you know, the way society is. So are we now supposed to laugh at this? Like, it's the character's sense of humor, the writer's sense of humor is, in, is inconsistent and it's not communicating itself well. Whereas with Deadpool, the reason it works is because it's a movie. It's, and it's written to be consistent from start to finish. And it's all... You know, that's, that is the point, is that it's a self-aware character. Here, yes, She-Hulk has a history of being self-aware and doing the fourth wall breaks, but be, I think they've gotten caught up in the trends of um, social progress and, um, you know, pop culture trends to just... Yeah, I, so to... Yeah, it's part part of it is that. So part of it is this show is trying to do way too much with way too little time. And then whenever they so whenever they try to tackle like social issues, like bringing up the whole um, idea of how people are like, oh, now everybody like, why do they have all these female superheroes and where are the guys at and all that stuff. But the point is, when they bring up those kind of elements, the way it's written is is like preaching and talking down to your audience rather than bringing it up as nat and naturally within the story and then can maybe trying to make a point through the story itself rather than a, a character just yeah. saying it you know, in you know what the tone of this show is the yeah. tone of this show is a librarian who's just who's telling you to shut up and then is trying to crack a joke with you so that you like her 
Yeah, right. And then the the other part of it is, like you said, Roland, like, is it, like, would we be having the same reaction with, with when um, she, when Ryan Reynolds in, in Deadpool is doing, like, twer twerking or whatever? The, the problem that I've had, the biggest reason why I don't like some of those elements is there's so much lacking with the fundamentals of the show that when they start doing these extraneous things that are, you're like, those should be the, like, the sprinkles on top of of the ice cream or the cherry on top of a cake kind of moments that only add to the fun and, and, and the gloriously well-executed rest of the show or movie. In this case, you're like, everything else like falls so short from the writing of the dialogue to the way the whole thing is paced to, to how overstuffed it is with cameos that purpose, almost seemingly purposely detract away from the main character. The fact that we don't get enough character development from the main, you know, for, for She-Hulk and Jen Walters, not to mention screen time. When those things are lacking so much, those like fourth wall breaks and those like, you know, those kind of cameo moments that will usually feel like, you know, oh, I'm getting all the good stuff and now this is like some extra bonus that I can get. Here it feels like, guys, get the basics right first, then worry about this, you know? Yeah. Like the, So for me, like, that's the perception of, of it. And it's for better or worse, like I said, if those moments were tacked onto a better written, more well-executed show, it wouldn't feel as bad as it does here because the rest of the show is so bad. Okay. I think that mails it. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, She-Hulk, I'm going to tell you, stop or, you know, rewrite it or... Just I don't know. I'm not interested. I have I jumped off after episode one. If for some reason you think that they're doing a great job, let us know. We'll uh, we'll see what you have to say. But <laughs> you better do a good job trying to convince us. Comment your thoughts. Share and subscribe, um, and join us in our movie fan community. We're watching everything. We're talking about it all. Let's move on to uh, that next thing. I um, against my better judgment, I suppose I. I decided to watch Pinocchio. Wow, a Tom Hanks movie. That's a yeah. brave of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, full full disclosure, I am not a Tom Hanks fan, even remotely, if you don't know that by now. Um, he was not the most objectionable part of this movie. You know, he did a good job um, embodying Geppetto and doing a little bit of extra storytelling when it comes to like the death of his son. I thought that was pretty good. <clears throat> he does not have a real Italian accent, which is heavily contrasted against a character who bursts in through the door with a real over-the-top Italian accent. Um, so that was a little annoying. But the thing is, bottom line, they did this shot for shot, um, for the most part, recreation of the animated movie. And they took out some of the best songs. They, as hard as they tried to make some things look exactly like the movie, they went a completely different direction with the Blue Fairy. Beautiful singer, singer beautiful voice, um, but it does sort of make you wonder like, what is the mission here? Are you trying to do everything shot for shot? Or are you trying to rewrite things and make it totally different? And then they've added characters who, you know, were never in Pinocchio, songs that were never in Pinocchio, lessons that were never in Pinocchio. It's, um, 
it's weird. And as I mentioned before, some of the pop culture references like Chris Pine really are going to date this within a couple of years. I wasn't, I wasn't repulsed because Pinocchio is a great story. Um, and it's something, you know, it's about self-actualization. It's a story that a lot of people need to hear. And I think that's why we're seeing so many new uh, iterations of it, you know, and why it keeps coming back. We had the live action dub a long time ago, like 10, 15 years ago, the Italian one. Then we had this one. We had the 1930s one. We're going to get the Guillermo del Toro one in a I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. That one? Yeah. yeah. It's different. I actually, so a follow-up question. So you mentioned they have stuff in here. This is something that comes up a lot when you see these kind of like, you know, they re like Disney specifically remaking a animated movie that they did a long time ago. Usually yeah. they try to like, you know, stick to like, for example, the original soundtrack and then maybe do, do re-recordings with new artists and whatever. But so the question that I had and you, you hinted at it when a lot of times people are like stick to the original make it a shot for shot remake but then sometimes when that happens people then argue well they did the shot for shot remake but why bother if the original is already there shouldn't they be yeah. like innovating on building on top of the original <clears throat> so like obviously i mean i'm trying to add the question i'm trying to ask is is it should should movie full filmmakers try to achieve a balance between those two things or um, or go one way or the other, and then how does that apply to this movie? Did they try to balance those things out, I was like thinking adding about new this. on top I of the old? I was thinking about this through the movie, yeah. and, you know, <clears throat> this whole thing felt a lot more like a Disneyland exhibit, like one of the storybook rides, you know? And Tom Hanks and all of the characters, they don't come across as the cartoon characters. They come across more as the performers you would see at Disneyland. And the sets look so much like the animated sets that it sort of feels more like Disneyland. And so it's not really about, I don't think there's any value to shot for shot remakes at all. I don't think these accomplish anything. Um, this is, I think what this could be in, in our world, the place for this is for something like the VR Disneyland, you know, or VR exhibits at Disneyland, where you can really explore all of the elements of Pinocchio, where you could interact with Pinocchio in 3D and see all of the sets. But this, all of the charm of that, this is like Kingdom Hearts. That's what it was exciting about that game. You could walk around in the world and you get some more depth in this, but they don't really add anything to the story. In so fact, another, a lot of what they did took away from the story. Now, the, uh, the other follow-up question to that would be, they ended up, it seems like, going with the Pinocchio character being almost entirely animated. I don't know if there was any live-action puppetry involved at all. So, and this is something that's been a trend with Disney live-action remakes. Like, The Lion King was basically an animated movie but it was made to look like it was a live action, like so real. So I'm like, what is the utility of doing a live action remake if you're not going to maximize the tools of a live action film and you're just going to like make something that's more or less at least half, if not the majority of it is animated anyway. Like this is a trend and and well, I, I don't see the utility. It's the same thing as like building on top of the original 
But yeah. like here, if you're going to animate it anyway, and it's 3D animation versus the 2D animation, why not then just make it like a Pixar movie? Like, why make it yeah. live action at all? I mean, it was some of the visual effects were pretty, you know, especially like when the blue fairy comes through the window and it's like there's just magic, you know, concentrated Disney magic in beams like that looked pretty cool. Um, and so there's even the, honestly some of the set design in this and like there's a wall of cuckoo clocks and they they really enjoyed putting Disney cameos in the cuckoo clocks uh, in that scene and like. A lot, a lot just went into that, um, but this is our, this is the culture we're in. It's cameos and uh, Easter eggs, and that's pretty much all this added. And Pinocchio, as a story about, you know, finding out who you are and having a conscience and living a moral life, and like all of that sort of goes out the window. And it's like, yeah, we talked about, uh, you know. Keegan-Michael Key is the fox. Oh, is he really? He is. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Jiminy Cricket. Um, By the way, I wanted to touch upon this briefly. You hmm. mentioned that you auditioned for a role in this movie. Really? Yeah. I, I'm going to bring it up because I think it's... <laughs> it's. I don't know. I don't think it taints or uh, your review in any, any sense of uh, speaking. But tell us... Less tell us... How close were you to getting getting a role in this film? I don't think I was that close. I auditioned for things constantly. Um, and when you when it's a uh, a Disney remake like this, almost always they are going to go with a celebrity to do the voice, which they ended up doing um, for every for every character. I got the audition sometime in 2020 for Jiminy Cricket and um and I and I, I yeah I I went about it trying to do a sound alike a perfect sound alike to the original and the original guy was the original singer of When You Wish Upon a Star I ended up singing it in his style of singing um I know I did a good job <laughs> like I still have the auditions somewhere. And now watching the movie, I was, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it just sort of ended up turning into um, a lot of falsetto with like a Southern accent. And Jiminy Cricket, doesn't, he didn't have a Southern accent. He had a transatlantic, uh, <laughs> you know, proper speaking voice of the 1940s. But I don't know, I wasn't, I, the character was there. I just, you know. <laughs> so I'm guessing you didn't to think about it. feel particularly slighted considering the end product uh, as a whole wasn't all that enjoyable. You know, I, it wasn't unenjoyable. I like Pinocchio is always a good story. It's always a good movie. Um, I just, in fact, I even watching it, I was like, yeah, I felt I feel good after this. Still, it's still I still enjoyed it. Um, it just didn't add anything. It wasn't novel. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was just like, yeah, I could have watched the original. Um, and I do think there's more depth in the original. And, and the last question I would ask is, do you think, it, so this movie dropped on Disney Plus. This was, I think, at one point meant to be a theatrical release. Obviously, if you go by 
the people they cast in this film it wasn't you know like they decided to make it straight for disney plus when you when you cast tom hanks in your movie i mean you know he's done streaming films but and like you said the voices like george joseph garden levitt and and so on and so forth do you think it was the right decision to drop this on on disney plus do you think ultimately there was some sort of uh business decision there saying like this movie may not do very well in the in the theaters or do you think this could have done well in theaters i mean there's not a lot in theaters right now so all things considered, maybe it could have you made know, a good amount of money. I think given the strategy that Disney's doing, what they should do with stuff like this is limited releases. They should they should do what like Gray Man did with Netflix. And that's put right. it out in theaters for two weeks. And at least then you make some of the money from the box office. And then once the word gets out that it's a pointless, worthless, unenjoyable, you know, bomb, then people can watch it on Disney Plus. Fair enough. Okay. Well, would you recommend somebody watch this or, or no. take a pass? <laughs> no. Okay. No, All it's right. pointless. Um, but if you disagree or if you agree, let us know in the comments. Talk to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, mostly YouTube. That's like, whoosh, that's what we're trying to do. So be our friend and uh, engage with us because sometimes we engage back. By the way, did we have a comment of the week this week? Oh, no, we're not doing those. No? Um, okay. We, we didn't have the time on the show, honestly. It wasn't. That's okay. And nothing just stuck out to, to me. So. That's all right. Well, let's let's uh, let's move on and see some of them quick hits. All right, time for some quick hits. Here's what went down this week in the world of movies, TV, streaming, and all that jazz. So, let's start off with some uh, news on kids' TV. So, Teletubbies is back, baby. Teletubbies is coming back, narrated by Titus Burgess. It's going to be on Netflix this time. I grew up watching the Teletubbies on BBC and later on VHS tapes. Um, I love, you know, Tinky, T Tinky Winky, Tipsy, Lala, and all those guys. Can't wait for them to be back on my television screen. Speaking of British um, news, of course, this uh, week we uh, saw the news that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away at the age of 96, ending her 70-year reign, the longest reigning monarch in the history of the UK. Her son, King Charles III, now takes over. Um, best of luck uh, to the royal family and our condolences to, to the entirety of the UK and the Commonwealth. Batgirl! Uh, shelving was called blown out of proportion by the press by Warner Brothers Discovery CFO Gunnar Rumsfeld this week. Um, did you guys think that was blown out of proportion or pretty big deal? I mean, I personally think they made the right business decision there. So um, this weekend is D23 weekend. And of course, they're announcing a lot of new things. Amongst them, we got our first look at the new live action, The Little Mermaid, featuring Halle Berry in the titular role. The movie comes out in 2023, May of 2023, that is. And we got our first look at her in action in that teaser trailer. So, speaking of D23 announcements, here's one that we didn't get, and that's the casting announcement for Fantastic Four. Kevin Feige was on stage. He brought on Matt Shackman, making it official that he is now the director of the movie, something that a lot of people already knew it had leaked online, but we did not get any casting announcements. They were like, hey, we're going to feature it next year at the event. 
and maybe then we'll get it. Um, I think it makes sense. They just hired the director. Um, you know, he probably wants to have some say in the casting process. And so we'll see how that plays out. But that's it for Quickest this week. Be sure to join us every Sunday on Also Curious at 5 p.m. Eastern for a new episodes on all of that good stuff. There was so much news at D23 telling us everything happening with Marvel in the next year. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm exhausted just from the list of things that came out. But yeah. what's a barrage you... of logos and uh, some trailers. But, yeah. A lot of logos and trailers. Logos yeah. and trailers. Um, yeah. A logos appeal for those of you who studied rhetoric in college like me. Um, are, what are you, what's, what's good? What are we, what are we supposed to be excited for? I don't know, Roland, did you, were you following? I know you're- I was getting Marvel. text notifications, uh, all the time, uh, about it. Um, I was, I was almost getting anxiety from it, honestly. It was, it was, it was bad because, um, we were talking about it in the group chat. I was getting stuff from like Twitter itself and, and all this. So there's, there's a lot. Um, there's like a family emergency, the, the number of yeah. texts. It's like Disney, yeah. chill out. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that are interesting. I don't want to say that they're they're bad right off the gate because it might not be, and it's just bad advertising because that does happen. Then again, sometimes you get really good advertising and it's not a good movie. Yeah. Um, I guess if we're we're naming favorites already, we're going ahead and saying it. Uh, I pretty I much know. know what you're gonna say, right? It's uh, no. Go ahead, you say it. No, you say it, Dan. What's yours? Somebody you say, say it, it, and then we'll, and then I'll say it, and then we'll be. Well, I'm pretty sure mine is not the same as yours. I, I think the best thing I saw was Secret Invasion, but I know what yours is probably going to be. So I was just gonna like guess, but go ahead. What is it? Read my mind. Uh, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Werewolf by Night and Secret Invasion. Okay. Um, I have no idea what these things are. Again, I'm not somebody who's super invested in the MCU, besides being somebody who reviews the movies here and there. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I'd be I'd be excited if I, is that who is that? That's a that's a poster for Werewolf by Night. Is that Rami Malek? Who is that? No, it's who not. Actor, um, it's uh, his name is. Oh gosh, what's his name? We don't even know. <laughs> it's not even in the tweet anywhere. Well, they have Man Thing in there. I saw that. Yeah, I don't um, know. My eyes aren't so uh, good. Gail. Gail Garcia Bernal. Okay. Oh, okay. So these are like we're now nitpicking and saying like these are the little minor characters that people read in a comic book once in the 1970s and forgot about and uh <laughs> now they get two and a half hours of my time and you know 15 dollars of my money and is i don't know there's so much and i don't know any of these people and none of them stand for anything particularly hopeful i would love a superhero to give me hope but what's the story with werewolf by night why why are you excited by this um i've always been a fan of werewolves uh as a kid i used to go werewolf hunting with my cousin uh in the woods but there was coyotes. That's interesting we got Did scared you get any? 
No, there was just yeah, there was just coyote, <laughs> and um, it was it was too scary. So we we went back inside. But I've always I've always been interested in them, and I, and I think they're cool. And I I walked all the Universal ones, and um, and then I don't know. There's there's just always been an appeal, and I've always been interested by Werewolf by Night because I always thought it had a really cool design, um, interesting kind of concept. The main character's name is Jack Russell. If it kind of shows you like, what's the vibe, you know? Um, so it's it's interesting. Right now, what it what it is is um, basically he uh, gets I don't know captured by some monster hunters, and it's it's a whole chase thing. Like and the sticks that they have, like the stun sticks, it feels like those like the maybe the DODC guys, like the Department of Damage Control. Like there's a yeah. scene of the show, right? Like we're just taking people oh there's like a there was a severed arm i'm like this is black and white they're hiring some of the hiding some of the gore which, yeah this was a lot more violent than i expected something that's going to go on disney plus to be that was yeah. surprising to me but. chocolate well, disney seems everywhere. To sort of thrown out the family friendly all the time um brand which interesting move being you know disney, disney. but um yeah let's see how this plays out for them it's it looks cool i'm i like when people do black and white stuff um yeah. andrew is there something that that was catching your eye even just like a little bit <sighs> from, oh, D, from d23 yeah i don't know no i mean i the thing about the whole about the barrage of content really says to me that disney's really trying to win back its audience because They've been in hot water about a lot of different things lately, and they are, like we've just seen, like we just said, they're defying their brand um, just in an effort to see how many people they can get over to Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And really what this says, what this says to me is it, it communicates an awful lot of insecurity on Disney's part, saying, we don't know who we are anymore. Um, what do you want? What do you want? Tell us, please tell us what you want. Well, okay. I mean, this is Michael Giacchino's first directorial effort. I mean, on, on this scale, I think he's done like one or two things before, but he's obviously known as as a composer. Like, you know, he composed music for many movies, including, well, probably not his best work, but like Rogue One, a Star Wars project. Um, and then or um, he did like some of the Star Trek movies. I think he did the Batman but you know you don't think of him like a director but he's directed this and he said that this one is taking influences from like these 30s and 40s horror sort of uh vibe that's what they're going for and then you know they're treating this with this whole new like it's not your traditional marvel studios logo present special presentation thing and you can tell i think this is innovative and maybe in 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 a good way at least based on the trailer i mean could be terrible to watch here's here's the thing it, yeah. it looks very cool. It looks very cool. I just, this is, again, it's another Stranger Things type of thing where we've stylized it to look exactly like one of those things. And yet, if it doesn't deliver on the essence, on the feeling, and the um, and even the messaging, if it just looks like it, all we've got really is a new movie, just like every other movie, with a different Instagram filter, a different font. Okay, fair enough. I mean, okay. Well, I'm I'm on. I'm looking forward to seeing what it 
becomes. I mean, it's this is it's different than anything that they've put out. So I guess we'll see. But there's other stuff to talk about. Like I, the, my favorite thing that they put out was was uh, let me Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Yeah, let me pull this up. What is? The, uh, I don't know anything about that. What is Secret Invasion? Roland, as far as the comic book origins, can you kind of like give us a summary and what where that comes from? Like what? What's the story? Uh, yeah, Secret Invasion uh, is basically it's it's to put it in simple terms. All right, scrolls, you know, from Captain Marvel, uh, the the shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. It, it was basically this whole um, story arc of like how they came to earth and they were like infiltrating and they were like replacing superheroes and nobody didn't like nobody knew what was going on and that's that's essentially what it was about so they're, they're, are they impersonating the superheroes they're impersonating yeah they're 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 impersonating yeah. them well and... we've already seen the scrolls like for example was it spider-man far from home like where nick yeah, fury as nick fury if we find out as a scroll, but like since Miss Marvel came out and when they introduced the scrolls into the MCU, unlike the comics where we know them clearly to be bad guys, they've sort of portrayed them as good guys in the in, in the MCU. So people were always like, okay, because we, we've set, sort of had the secret invasion thing on the horizon for a while, and then obviously the scrolls being good guys and we, how we know the comic book version of them plays out, the question always was, well, are they going to eventually turn them? And it feels like with this trailer, we're finally starting to see maybe the scrolls weren't the good guys after all. Like, is that, I mean, that's the impression I got, Roland. Am I on the right track here? And I mean, Andrew, I don't know if you've watched the trailer. Like, are we? Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to find a, an official summary. All I right. mean, it looks cool. You got Nick Fury um, coming back to Earth for the first time. I think they've mentioned like three years, Mariah Hill. No, talking no, to him in a bar, she's like, "You've been sending my calls to voicemail for three years," and he's back, because um, he's been on that. You know, at the end of that Spider-Man movie, we saw that he was on this like big scroll spaceship, I, I think, in orbit around Earth. And so, you know, meanwhile, letting scrolls handle business on on Earth. And we even saw in some other Marvel projects, I forget exactly which ones, where we have seen like scrolls infiltrating and being um, um, like taking over government roles key roles and key agencies and stuff so now it looks like nick fury's back and the reason he's so, back is because he believes the scrolls are up to no good and you see roadies involved as well and at the panel they hinted that armor wars which they officially announced which we knew they had brought it up that it was going to be happening that but they hadn't officially scheduled it on their calendar before so now they finally said you know it's coming out here's a logo you know because logos make everything official um and then they talked about it and they mentioned that secret invasion is where where secret invasion is going to leave off armor wars is going to pick up right directly from that and that they didn't announce an exact date for when Armor Wars is going to release, but they said 2024, I believe. So it, to me, that says Secret Invasion is probably not coming out until later in the year of 2020, next year, 2023. And then not that long after, they're going to go into Armor Wars, which will be focused on Don Cheadle and his roadie War Machine character. So, And obviously he's in the show. So, And they, and they were shooting the, a lot of these stuff like back-to-back or simultaneously because the, there were stories out about how Samuel Jackson was going back and forth between the set for for Secret sets for Secret Invasion in Atlanta and the Marvels, which was shooting around the same time. So he's going to be in that too, and um, Armor Wars. So you know, Marvel obviously. You know, so these are these are series, money. not movies. 
these are series. So Armor Wars and Secret Invasion are Disney Plus shows. And and then the Marvels is going to be a movie, which they also had a panel for on, on and they obviously had the logo, which is not nothing new. We've already seen the logo for that. But, but yes, these two are sh- shows um, on Disney Plus. Okay. Um, the Disney Plus shows for Marvel do not have a good track record. Um, yeah, honestly. they've got some real talent in Oof. these though, and you know Ben Mendelsohn. He's playing, yeah, Oscar uh, Isaac was a great actor. Is yeah. a great actor, um, and yet Moon Knight was not a wonderful show. I thought um, it was good until the last episode. That last episode just sort of—I uh, don't know. Yeah. It's just like we we saw that we've seen the talent that they've brought on for She-Hulk. You know, I would caution—I would caution actors from like agreeing to do these things at this point because is that. Is that Olivia Coleman? Yep. Yeah. Multi-time yeah. Academy Award winning Olivia Coleman. Yeah. I mean, you you had better show these actors some respect, Disney, and come out with a good product because these these are starting to become risky properties to be part of, unless it's a theatrically released Marvel movie. Hey, and Amelia even some Clark's of those aren't doing too. so wonderfully. Yeah. Also, just uh, just a side note: Was I calling it the Secret War or Secret Invasion? It's Secret Invasion. Secret Wars is the Avengers movie. Yeah. Phase six. This is Phase five. What's okay. the big secret? I yeah. Well, so Secret, secret Invasion's the scroll totally different thing. And I was freaking myself out. I didn't know if I was saying if if I was talking like if I said Secret Invasion. I was in my mind. I was talking about Secret Invasion, but I didn't know if I said. Oh, invasion. I think you said okay. No, you said You're Secret. Good. I'm pretty sure we yeah. I no, think we're it's not clear. Yes, Secret Wars and Secret Invasion are two different things, which I know in that's and of why itself I'm could like, be confusing. Yes, I'm freaking yeah. myself out because I know yeah. the internet will attack me and be like, "Hey, Secret War is a different thing." <laughs> I'm like, I know. Please don't yell at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, look, hey, Andrew, internet, you can address take it your easy point. On so, yeah, I was just gonna say, Andrew, the the point you were trying to make, like, hope you know, I think these actors are doing these roles, like Ethan Hawke. Literally months after he said, I don't think I want to do these Marvel things. I don't, you know, those are not creatively satisfying. Or or even more recently, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, like, said, like, oh, you know, uh, he basically talked down DC movies and Marvel movies. And those, they're, they're not, like, I think he said something like, they're not, um, they're not, like, works of art or something that effect. I, he didn't say exactly that. But basically, he, 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 said, he likened it to being, like, candy, you know. Yes, you do yes. exactly. Yeah, even though he is in the new Aquaman movie and he's yeah. like going to be the main like villain of that. Well, that's the thing. He says, "Listen, if you if you want to do the great stuff, you have to do silly things like this." Exactly. And yeah. you know what? That's that's the game. You got to make some money. You got to pander a little bit so that you can do something great. Um, fine. You know, it's it's a business. It's a business for the actors. It's a business for the studios, um, and. Really, as customers, as responsible customers and consumers, it's our job to tell them, like, this is good, this is bad. What's difficult about streaming and all that is that, like, they get to fudge the numbers a lot more because they don't have to be transparent about how many people are watching what they're promoting. But they just always have this endless supply of stuff coming out. And... You know, box office numbers, as we've seen, those those can be a giveaway in terms of how good the movie actually is and whether or not people 
actually like it. If it never hits the box office, you never have to disclose how much money you made or lost with it. I mean, I think that nowadays they have to do more of that. I mean, especially once you introduce uh, advertising, like I think Disney recently announced they're going to be adding an ad tier to their subscription, like Disney Plus. I think you're going to have to then start disclosing these numbers because if you're making money of advertising, then that probably ties into actor contracts and like back-end deals and yeah. points and stuff and royalties. But even that, and, doesn't, that also, you know? doesn't that also indicate that they're not making enough money on the subscriptions alone? And that not well, a lot of people are watching. That's always going to be a limitation. I think streaming services know, like, once you hit market saturation, there's no room for growth there. You got to find other ways to do that. And with Disney, a company like Disney, you have merchandising, theme parks, and all that stuff. And like you have Avengers Campus, and at this, you know, there was a Disney World, I think it is, or Disney, uh, the one in California. Um, but California but I think in addition to that, Disneyland. now you're starting to see things like Netflix charging for sharing passwords with people who don't live in your house adding you know extra cost for that um adding an ad supported tier um and in in a way it could work in their favor because then you have situations where um a show that's not drawing subscribers anymore has no value for you if the only way you're making money off the service is through new subscriptions but if you have ads playing on there between between ads and charging for sharing passwords you know which were the two perks to netflix for the longest time, no ads, you can share a password. And the content isn't good enough for people to stay when you when you get rid of all of those perks. And so I think they'll do more to alienate people than, you know, to build more. I mean, it's, it's a trade-off. I do think there's, if they make it cheap enough, there'll be a lot of people who will sign up simply because they want to save money and they don't care about ads. Um, but... That aside, I do want to, before we finish talking about Marvel at D23, touch upon what happened or the lack, what the lack thereof, what didn't happen at Fantastic... Oh, sorry. <laughs> at D23, which is they announced a director officially for Fantastic Four, which we basically already knew because the reports had been out that Matt Shackman was going to be directing the movie. But what they did not announce is the cast of Fantastic Four, which was heavily rumored that they were going to announce it. And people were even putting out like, oh, Henry Cavill is going to be in it or Jodie Cormier is going to be in it or uh, what was the the guy, Penn Badgley is going to be Mr. Fantastic and, and, all, and so on and so forth. But yeah. they basically said, Matt Shackman is the new director, got nothing more to say about the movie, moving on to the next thing. Like, And, and that's the big news. That's like the thing. Of all the things they announced, the the Twitter is most concerned about what they didn't announce, and that's you know the cast. Of Have the they started movie. filming? Is that all under wraps, yeah. or is is it just? I don't think that so. They've announced the no, they're in pre-production. It's still pre-production. And from they my must, perspective, they must still be deciding. It's honestly, it makes sense that this is the case because if you look at the timeline of events, Matt Shackman dropped out of Star Trek Four recently mm-hmm. to basically sign on to this movie, which means that if the director hadn't been on the movie up until recently. Maybe he was in talks to sign on, but he wasn't on the project officially. The director usually has a role to play in the casting process. They, I mean, Marvel is a machine. These guys will probably be in other projects that the other directors will be involved in. So you could technically cast people before the director signs on. But generally speaking, how movies work is you have the director come in and then the director works to help cast the movie, if not make the yeah. main decisions and get the veto power on it. So I'd imagine that's probably one reason why they haven't picked out a cast yet, because they might even have a short list of options. But until 
the director is on board and now he or she is looking at how this movie is going to play out and then they can make a decision based on that vision who to best cast for the role. So I think that probably is the explanation as to why they didn't announce the cast, even if they have a short list of people and maybe those are the people we have heard rumors are, uh, but they aren't set in stone. But for you guys, I mean, is this like, do you think that's, that is the reason or do you think there's something else behind why they didn't announce it? They did mention that Kevin Feige said that they're going to have the movie featured at next year's D23. Uh, do you think it's a matter of either it's what I just said or it's a matter of they're saving something for next year so next year doesn't feel so bare? They're probably they're probably saving on saving for the hype, you know. And if not that, then I I imagine they're still negotiating and still market testing certain things. Um, yeah, I think as long as the fans still think they have some control over who gets cast, they're gonna you know they still want people debating about who would be the best Mr. Fantastic. So yeah. that's what that's my feeling on it. I Dan, I think I agree with you. I, I think it hasn't been casted yet. I, I think they, they have plenty of time to to work on this. So I think it's just they're still in talks and negotiation. And I'm excited. This guy, you know, he did all of WandaVision. I enjoyed that show. So we'll we'll see what he does with it. Yeah. I mean and his TV credits outside of what he's done for Marvel are extensive too. I think he did Game of Thrones. He's done yep. a ton of other cable and, and streaming shows as well. He he's like got an extensive. Of, it's always sunny. Credits. Really? Yeah. So he's he's got some some comedy background. He's he's yeah. done this and that. Um, a fun fact: he was also a child star. He was in this like sitcom in like the late '80s called, um, it's like the Ten of Us or something. Hmm. Yeah. Did not know that. So he's he's been a while. He he's been here. You know. Well. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's that's how we move uh, <laughs> on to the next thing about uh, before before we finish up what? just one last thing I mean they, they, they had other stuff like Quantumania which they said will tie directly into see, see, the Kang Dynasty I think yeah the Kang Dynasty they had New World Order yeah. the Captain America movie they brought that out and you know they announced that Danny Ramirez is going to be the new Falcon Loki guys came in. They're gonna. They apparently flew right back out to continue shooting the season two. But they were there. They had the Marvels cast come out. Um, and you know, Wakanda Forever was, I think, the first thing that went up. Daredevil. They brought up Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, which was fun seeing those two guys out there. Um, they also had a uh, the Echo uh, team come out and talk about that, that what they were doing in Ironheart, which they will. You know, Ironheart. Um, they're gonna have the character uh, Riri Williams. Uh, is going to be in. Wakanda forever that's where they're going to introduce the character like kind of backdoor pilot it but the other big thing that I wanted to quickly touch upon we don't have to spend too much time about this but they announced like the, the 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 roster for the Thunderbolts movie so that's I have a feeling this is they're like almost like Dark Avengers in a manner of speaking this is so they're not gonna have an Avengers movie until 20 was it 25 so but this movie is gonna come out I believe in 2024 it's starting to film next year. So they announced that, you, you know, the new version of Black Widow, Yelena Belova is in there, Red Guardian. You got Ghost on the left, I believe, Taskmaster on the back right, mm -hmm. US agent, the, the 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 Walker character. You've got the Winter Soldier in there, Sebastian Stan. And then Julia Louis-Dreyfus is, is yeah. going to be like their Nick Fury in, in, in the back left there. So Well, uh, it's I wouldn't say Dark Avengers because this <laughs> Thunderbolts was always like a Suicide Squad thing. Right. You're but... right. You're right. Um, yeah. instead of, uh, they, they have Bucky in there, but in the comics, it was always Hawkeye. 
Mm-hmm. And they, they they change that out, but it's it's pretty much just like it makes sense. I mean, considering yeah. where the MCU is headed, I think it makes sense to make that switch at this point. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it interest- looks interesting. I mean, it doesn't tell us anything about the story, but you know, yeah. I can't wait to see David Harbor back in as Red Guardian. I think he was probably the best part, in my opinion, he was the best part of the Red the Black Widow yeah. movie. So I'm excited. To- and he's. If you've seen the latest Stranger Things season, the guy slimmed out. Like, the dad bot is gone. Like, you know. Yeah. It's like they use that whole Russia storyline simply to, like, explain how he's in such good shape now. But anyway, <laughs> he's back as Red Guardian in this. So, um, yeah. okay. Well, now I just wanted to, you know, I, if you guys had anything to say about that, uh, it, it seems like there's not a whole lot to go on as so far other than the, the concept art they show. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's what this that's what this event is. It's concept yeah. art, logos, logos, and you know, trailers. a couple of cast trailers. teases. Yeah. yeah, they showed a lot of exclusive footage which we don't get to see. Like I think they showed some Ant Man footage, they showed some um, Black Panther of Wakanda Forever footage that's not public, but yeah, and I mean you know they had the new Ant like Star Wars had their own thing too, Andor trailer, Mandalorian trailer, but that's the Marvel stuff. That's, that's, I think that covers it. That's everything that they announced uh, and everything they didn't announce. Uh, yeah, so. Well, tell us what you think you're most excited for. Uh, if we miss something, what's, what's the most exciting Marvel thing coming out in the next year? If it's not Secret Wars, Secret Invasions, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm there too. <laughs> I know, it's, it, it gets confusing. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot. Yeah. And you know, if you put two different words together, it'll end up being a Marvel movie in 2028. So, <laughs> Secret um, Invasion looking, War. I'm looking forward to the Secret Dynasty 2028. And, um, you know, Avengers know. versus X Men. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Two, just, yeah. Any two words, test it with Disney. They'll probably green light it. Um, and we look forward to hearing what you have to say about that. But in the meantime, like and subscribe, follow us on all the things, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get a podcast, we're, we're there. We're always going to be there. Don't worry, darling. Uh, let's oh. move on to that, uh, that well, talk about Lord of the Rings yeah. that Mags and Catriona were going to uh, tell us about because we're on episode three of a highly contentious series some people love it. Some people are spitting it out like broccoli they didn't want to eat. Let's see what they have to say. Stand with me. Ours was no chance meeting. Such Not fate. So, look, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, episode three. And damn, I wish they had a shorter name for for all of this. The Rings of Power episode three. Yeah, she's slower. She's much slower to what um, episode one and two was. It's kind of what I wanted, but the problem with that one is that not much has happened. Still no Rings of Power, but now we're seeing where we're going towards the Rings of Power. It's, it's definitely felt like it's slowed down from the first two episodes. This episode started to feel more like some stuff from Game of Thrones, specifically like King's Landing. They go to this island. So we have Galadriel arriving in Numenor. She's being held captive and she's rescued by Elendil. And Elendil is such a legendary person, character that we all know from the Lord of the Rings because of course Elendil is Aragorn's great ancestor and Elendil's son is Isildur. So the very guy that essentially kickstarted all the events to the third 
age. And we got to see a little bit of, you know, nods to how Isildur character might end up. And yeah, I thought it was really, really cool to see, to see that. Seeing Gladio interact with Elendil and stuff and knowing that, hey, <laughs> she's going to meet Aragorn, your great ancestor in the future. It was, I don't know. When you start thinking about the series and those characters in those terms, it does make your heart melt a bit. Nori, she's been hiding Gandalf, um, if that's who he is. I suppose it is. I mean, Gandalf always said he always had a fondness for hobbits, and I guess we're seeing why, because they basically saved him but i still feel like it's gonna i don't know i i hope it ends up being saruman because i just think that'd be kind of a cool twist but yeah so the hobbits discover that she's been helping him and they're like we're gonna kick her out oh but she's actually too you know nori is just a kid so we're just gonna punish her family by putting their cart to the the back of the line when they travel to their next little location uh, because they're nomadic, which is something I really enjoy with the Hobbits. It's cool to see because I think this takes place like 4,000 or so plus years before the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series. So really the only group of humanoids that is living differently is the Hobbits because they don't have their Shire, they just, they just live nomadically. Um, everyone else though kind of lives like, not much has changed in 4,000 years, which is kind of sad because, you know, they have magic and stuff. You'd think, like, they'd be beyond us. Like, a lot has happened for us in, like, 200 years, even 100 years. So, I don't know. It's not looking too good for this planet of people as far as progression. Harfits! More Harfits! <laughs> Yeah, they, um, they're all about migrating and just living and loving their lives and doing all their shenanigans. And it's pretty hardcore, like, rules there, if you think about it. So, you know, Nori's dad broke his food in the previous episode and now he's like a liability and he's scared of being left behind by his tribe. It's, it's nuts. If you think about it, you cannot even break the food when you migrate and I don't really care about them I enjoy watching them being on the screen it, it's kind of a weird thing because you get a lot of those nods to Shire and the way hobbits live we get to see you know the way Harfits live and wake to the you know the Harfits that they left behind I thought it was a very nice touch it was emotional but it was enough I don't think it was introduced or set up enough for us to, in order to get emotionally involved or feel sorry but I thought the idea was very beautiful and I still don't know whether it's Gandalf no one has told me I I decided not to know I just I really want to be surprised by it so in the last couple episodes, Galadriel was shipwrecked with this guy, um, Halbrand. I had to look up his name. Well, I guess he's supposed to be the, uh, the show's Aragorn, but he's a thief, so it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. He kind of thieves, like, in a weird way. These other knights, I think they were, were, were giving him trouble, and, you know, he was just eating at a bar or something, and he's like, oh, let me buy everybody around. And the only reason he did it was so that he could steal this one guy's his emblem on his on his shirt. And like two seconds later, they know he stole it and they follow him, uh, the knights, and then they go 
to beat him up. And he's like, I don't want any trouble. Please don't do this. They punch him like twice. And then he just like beats them down immediately. Like, I don't know, like they unleash this crazy power in him and he just destroyed them, which to me is just kind of weird. Cause it's like, okay, if you know that you have this uncontrollable power, like if, if you're attacked, you're just going to like kill who's ever around. Like maybe just don't steal in the first place or don't put yourself in that position. Uh, that was a little weird. Like Poppy and Nori, of course, we have our Sam and Frodo. We, we, I read this comparison a lot. Of course, every hero needs um, his or her sidekick. And yeah, am I bothered by this sort of archetype being formed, formed again? No, not, not really. It's just the way films are made. And I think I've seen a lot of films and stories being like used as dynamic that I I really don't mind it. it. It works for the relationship. As long as Nori doesn't play some crucial character, she's not going to become a Frodo of our story. I think I'm okay. I'm okay with whatever they're up to. I, I don't mind them. And yes, I know they weren't even supposed to be here. And um, a lot of fans are very upset by Harfords being them. But I enjoy the way they were portrayed. I enjoy the way there are um sort of brought to us whether it's accurate to the books or appendix appendices if or not that's um that's a completely different story but i mean i still i like it i'm coming into it understanding that it is not lord of the rings you can never redo lord of the rings you should never try to redo lord of the rings it's its own thing and i like it for that it's something that at least in this episode it felt like if you didn't know it was lord of the rings you could kind of totally think it was a completely different show which is fine because this is four thousand years ago it should be different like the world despite them all still kind of dressing the same still not having figured out electricity and things like that and you know cars maybe or something like it still makes sense that it would be as different as it is um yet similar but you know i'm i still think it's a really good show um i'm enjoying it i think it's very well done even if it wasn't like lord of the rings thing it's just it's a very it's a nice it's nice to watch a very well done medieval fantasy show we had the elves being captive and the fight with warg and it, i thought it was very gory I, I forgot to check the ratings but the whole fight between the warg was very graphic and yeah if you if you don't like blood probably i would skip through that scene we still don't know who adder is i'm kind of excited to see and find out all about him because it looks like an elf it looks like a human whoever he, he is i'm i'm very interested because he's leading um orcs am i excited for episode four yes but i think i was excited more about episode three after having watched episode one and two much slower numenor is beautiful nori doing her thing it's 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 a good episode <laughs> thanks guys bye Let me be really, really clear. I don't care about Don't Worry Darling. I don't care about the movie itself. I don't care about the drama. I don't care. Why has this taken up so many headlines on Reddit, on Facebook, on Instagram? Everybody just seems to be talking about the drama around a movie I was not interested in seeing from the beginning, okay? 
So let's just get that out of the way. I think all of this is viral marketing tactics. I think Olivia Wilde is a troll. I am not interested in this, but here we are talking about it. Okay. Yeah. This, go ahead, Dan. You... I was just going to add to that. I'm, I think at this point, the PR team <clears throat> of that movie has taken the stance of any, any PR is good PR because yeah. otherwise they would have like taken her off the press tour. And cause it's like, every time she does an interview, she's stepping on some kind of like ticking time bomb that creates only further controversy, whether yeah. intentionally or unintentionally, it just feels like, yeah, the PR team is, you know, they're not doing damage control because they're like, it's not, this is not a Marvel movie. So whatever gets us attention gets us attention. Like, cause as long as people go to see it at least once, we will make money. That's probably how yeah. they're taking it. Yeah. And, you know, I know this is the reason we were bring this up is because there's this week, there have been three or four separate stories about actors getting standing ovations that are longer than, well, started with, I think, a six minute standing ovation for The Whale, for Brendan Fraser. And then something that was, like that, yeah. people were excited about that because they're like, he really deserved that. He really, he really did something. And so that was the first one we saw. Yeah. Then, don't worry, darling, Olivia Wilde, never to be outdone by anyone ever. She, um, she, I think, orchestrated, I'll just say that, I think orchestrated a 10-minute standing ovation. Okay, so now, the yeah. movie, 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. By all accounts, it's not doing particularly well. I think part of the reason we're getting so much negative press about it is because people aren't going to see it because they're going to realize it's not very good. It's... Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she gets a 10-minute standing ovation, and now that has to be outdone. And so Blonde gets <clears throat> a debut at a festival as well. Anadarmus gets a 16-minute standing ovation. I think it's like 14. 14? Let's not get crazy in here. Okay, but not... still, I just saw another one yesterday. I already forgot the movie, but... Four headlines, yeah. that's not, number one, that's not a news story. Um, and number two, the length of a standing ovation, especially when you get four different stories about them in the same week, is not an indication of the quality of the movie. Yeah. I, what this says to me is, like, this isn't people saying, oh, I love that so much. People aren't driven to do it. This is this is virtue signaling on like such a primal level of I still like it. I really like it. It's as important. I'm making a statement. And now the applause in a in a real interesting turn of events. The audience has become the performer. Yeah, I, I can see that. Dan, you're muted. Sorry, I, I do this at least once a week, so at this point it's a normal thing. Um, but <laughs> don't you think there's like the herd mentality to this, like where you you're at like a festival, let's say like you go to Venice or you go to Cannes or you or you or you go to Tomorrow, and then you know like a movie like Don't Worry Darling pops up, and then once you're up and clapping, you're sort of like you're looking around like are you guys still going? Still going? Yeah. And you just feel I compelled to just never fall, go with it. Yeah. I personally never fall victim to that. I stop when I think it's necessary and I go, okay, these people have been ridiculous. It's not that good. Yeah. Nothing, nothing has ever made me clap 
my hands get tired. They start to hurt. Exactly. I would, I would never clap for 15 minutes for anything. For yeah. anything. I feel bad. Like, I, I remember in school, we had, like, have talent show, and, like, people would, like, have, like, a guitar or something. They would, like, clap to the beat, and, like, they would start it. And then we yeah. would all do it for, like, 10, 20, 30 seconds. If and at a certain like, point, it starts disrupting the performance. After that, then, you can't do anything. You know, yeah. it's, it's too much. You can't even keep to the rhythm. Everybody's out of place, you know. And then this is, it's its too much. There should never be anything more than a minute and a half. And even then, that's a lot. Because yeah. what are what are the people presenting this movie going to do? They're just kind of standing there awkwardly. You know, their stuff's supposed to happen like right after this. But no, we're, we're, they're standing there for 14 minutes whatever minutes how long that is and and i just have to wonder like what are they clapping for yeah in brendan Fraser, fraser's case okay six minutes i could see that because the guy I could see really, why they would be clapping for so long he for committed long, but. he committed that's not a fat suit he committed to that weight and he by what i've heard it's such a heartfelt story yeah uh, and a new type of character that's something that i think people want that they've missed out on it's it's not a superficial movie it's not a movie that has anything to do with sex appeal he's just like he's playing a real person yeah. and digging deep into what this person's life is don't Which worry is another darling. thing that brendan fraser has been going through because he's he's had a, a comeback you know there was that yeah. whole um scandal where he was blacklisted from hollywood and you know people are aware of this and he you know comes back with like doom patrol and starts doing other projects and this is this like is amazing do you think that's part of why people are giving the standing ovation because oh. they're just glad to see him back they're glad to see him back you know that guy was killing it in like the late 90s early 2000s yeah. you know he was he was everywhere and you know he he comes back and it's this kind of just terribly true story from this perspective that you're you're not really used to yeah. and it's that it's the character it's it's the director you know and so you, so you look at all of that that's like legitimate reasons to encourage somebody who's been wronged and maybe you know somebody who had an impact on your life because those movies meant a lot to you and yeah. and he's he's actually accomplished something as an actor he's 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 made you feel something yeah I and then it's it, like worry. you said with olivia wilde it's you know it's got to be a one up yeah and at this and point her whole thing though i mean from the first time i saw the tr the trailer for this i was really turned off by from director olivia wilde it's so clearly all about her yeah and there's nothing it's kind of stepford wivesy um, it's sort of, um, it, it's trying to make political points. It's trying to be super relevant, but at the same time, be stylized like the 1960s. It just feels really out of touch, really, you know, self-aggrandizing. And yeah. I, I can't imagine, based on the reviews and the reception so far, that that was a genuine standing ovation that lasted 10 minutes no there's so much drama that's coming out that's like how is this believable come on yeah. are you really i mean the whole harry styles spitting thing on yeah. chris pine which is just this insane the epitome of clickbait yeah of did he spit on him and then the article no yeah i don't know it's 
there, there's a lot of questionable things that are happening with this movie. And I, I, I never want to judge a movie with the trailer because like I always say, it just depends on your marketing team, how we perceive it before we actually watch it. And so when it comes out, I'll probably, I'll probably watch it. I'm going to be honest. Let's be honest. We're going to have to do a review on it. I, I don't want to see it, but because I don't, I don't think it gives, I don't think it's, it warrants any more attention than it's gotten. Um, yeah. But on the off chance that it's really, 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 really bad, I'll take some pleasure in watching it and reviewing it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, the custody papers. That was a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which uh, I don't know if that, I don't think that was, well, that was the, maybe probably. It's just to get people talking her. about her. It's yeah. all but just to get people talking about her. I, I just. Oh. That's interesting. Has anybody ever uh, been able to interview the person that served her? <laughs> I don't think so. If you're the person who served her, we would like to before. interview you. Yeah. I wonder if she was served before and then somebody, she hired somebody to go on stage and do that. Can they do that? Well, I don't. So the we people who usually show, serve papers, they're not, they're not, um, they're not obliged to tell even the person like Jason Sudeikis, I'm pretty sure was not aware of when the papers would be served. It's not yeah, his no. prerogative to decide when that happens. It's, it's the, I forget, like, is it the, the legal team or whoever does the, the work? And I'm pretty sure they would, you know, they would easily just be like, yeah, we're not talking to the press. Like there's, you know, they're not celebrity or public figures. So yeah. there's no obligation for them wanna... to make a statement on any part. It's a I just want to add fuel to the fire. I think I, I'm going to say it hot take. I think it was stunted. I think oh, no, no question. got served and no question. hired somebody to give it to her because that's such a insane place, you know, to go through that length of it's, just somebody working from the government to, I don't know if, I don't know if somebody, I don't know if they hired the person to do it that way, but I think the idea of being served, um, you know, on stage where most people don't even know that she's trying to direct at this point, yeah. they just, they've seen her in some movies and that's that's regardless of how they went about it yeah it's a stunt you know it's I mean, just she, to get people she had talking a good about movie it. what was the other movie that she did um um she had another film before this that was really well received and i think that's really the reason how she got this project and and the cast that she was able to pull for this but that i she directed I just, she directed yes um this that was her like directorial debut but I mean, with all the stuff that's happening, really, whether it's oh, book smart, book smart, right? Whether it's her relationship with Harry Styles, whether it's, you know, the whole did he spit on Chris Pine at the thing, and whether she fired Shia LaBeouf or he quit, and you know, sub, you know, other people in this movie like Gemma Chan basically getting completely overshadowed because of the whole Florence. Pugh, I mean, Florence Pugh is the lead here, but you know, the, whatever supposed beef she might have with Olivia Wilde, it is. I mean, I don't Who cares? know how Who well this is going to reflect cares? on her career and how well this is going to reflect on on you know even somebody like harry styles who's trying to get serious consideration as an actor he's so far always done like supporting roles and he's a lead in this movie and 50 reviews in on round tomatoes it's got a 42 percent rating we talked about this it's 10 minutes standing ovation for a movie that's sitting with that number after just 50 reviews those num that that percentage number will go down it usually doesn't go up. It's not like you add 150 and all of a sudden it's going to be 98. 
it's this is not looking good and yeah to that end i mean like you said it the myth of festival standing ovations like you know whether it's the woman king at toronto or whether it's um the blonde or or the whale it's not i'm not saying it uniformly is is is, is a bad indicator i mean top gun maverick had a fantastic premiere at um con earlier this year they even gave an honorary palm d'Or to tom cruise and that mm. movie became the biggest movie of the year and the highest rated movie of the year and obviously it's the just, whale it's looks conspicuous like a good to film, me but... that there would be multiple stories this week um and is that just because the festivals happened this week? But don't you guys think festival to, goers like to do standing ovations? To me, that's so. This is the thing, right? I feel like there's a lot of movies that probably get standing ovations. A lot of indies that people don't hear about, but the ones that you get, a People.com or Entertainment Weekly or Deadline or Variety and Hollywood Reporter writing articles about are the ones where the marketing and PR teams are like orchestrating like a whole campaign to like mm. have these prestigious festival launches for their movies and use it as a means to like either make a play at prestige and Oscars buzz and you know try to drive box office I think nowadays these these kind of festival circuit runs or not circuit runs but festival runs for these big movies are primarily used as a means to market them where you know a movie like a marvel movie doesn't need to do that because they already know people are going to show up to watch these kind of movies need maybe you know oh it did so well at that venice film festival i should go check it out they clapped for it for 10 minutes it can't be that bad whereas you know marvel movie you're like it's a marvel movie about oh iron man's back yeah sure hell i'm gonna go watch it like of course <laughs> i think that's what it comes down to i don't I, I don't think people should look at these articles and think like oh that's a reflection of the quality of the film it's maybe it's they should look at it and say oh there's a marketing team behind this really pushing the movie and giving us more reasons to watch but i should still probably make my own opinion and maybe like read a review or two from somebody i trust because that's probably going to give you a better reflection of what you might think about it ultimately um yeah, that's my opinion, at least. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Tell us what you think. Would you clap for anything for 15 minutes in your life? I, I, I know wouldn't. I wouldn't. I find it um, hard to stand up for, like, the what, what uh, the Pledge of Allegiance in school, like, when they used to do it. Like, please stand up. Put your, I'm like, I, would, I, I, it's I like, always stand. I, I personally national never kind of took to that whole thing, heart. whether it's the national anthem or anything like that. But this feels like one of those things where I'm like, if everybody else is around me standing up, you kind of feel weird just sitting there. Or once you stand yeah. up, the horror, horror mentality of... No, the, oh, the, the clapping. Yeah. The clapping is... Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just... I'd probably still stand up, but I, I would stop clapping. Yeah. yeah. I'd stand up to, like, like, try and leave. I don't even like being around applause. It's, it's it, so can Can you imagine it would almost be, like, way worse if you did that and you were, like, in the minority like you're the only one who got up and started clapping like oh nobody else is, oh, okay should probably sit well back that's down. is it isn't that how it should be it should. isn't that how it really should be maybe that's how it starts and then everybody else feels compelled especially if it's like can you imagine if olivia wilde was the first one to stand up and be like clapping lawrence she probably and then was everybody she's else probably feels wearing a false too. mustache and got yeah. walked into the audience and was like really good she's a great yeah. director speculating yeah, I obviously i don't know if it should be happened, like but. It should be like a rap battle, you know, like once it's done, then they can, you know, the audience can go as loud as they want to really tell how much they like it. And then boom, that's it. That you're done. You know, maybe it makes groundbreaking screams and stuff like that. And that's, that's the headline. Yeah. But I and can just, I, I just have this, I just have this image in my mind of 
Olivia Wilde's like press secretary or press secretary, press agent being like, uh, you know, going around from like people like, we're just, go, just so you know, guys, we're going to try and get, we're going to try and beat the last standing ovation. So just make sure people around you just, just keep clapping. We're going to try and go for 10 minutes. Okay. And like, just keep, keep it. I can just see that happening. So I don't think that's, that's too just, far from the truth, honestly, whether it's specific to this movie or not, I can so see that happening. That's, I mean, being as I, I've grown to be more cynical about this kind of thing with Hollywood, it's like the, like awards circuits and festivals yeah. circuits. All, Here's an idea. Just patting put ourselves on put the back. all this effort yeah. into making the story good and then maybe I'll clap for it. Yeah. Like everything everywhere all at once, you know, if, if the movie is good, you will get good word of mouth and you will get more money for that. It's, you don't have to, you don't have to worry, like, you know, a movie like this, it seemingly at least is not good and you're trying so hard to get people there. But if the word of mouth is not good, even if the opening weekend is good, it's not gonna sustain itself over weeks and weeks. Yeah. Like, uh, Top Gun Maverick or everything everywhere all at once did or the Batman did you know like those movies are good movies like make a good movie first and then worry about the rest later well, I think I think to put a cap on this and even the Disney stuff is like we I think now society's become aware that nothing gets made unless the marketing is really good and now we've done so much marketing that it's starting to be transparent and the quality isn't matching up to the effort being put into the marketing. And so maybe, hopeful optimist in me, uh, maybe this means that we're gonna become impervious to these silly stunts and quality movies might just come back. But this yeah. is absurd and it needs to stop. I'd love to see the Deadpool kind of marketing campaign for, for a movie like this, you know. They did a fan. Yeah. The first one was it, yeah, one of the best marketing campaigns for a movie ever, honestly. Yeah. Well, okay. Like and subscribe, share, do all the things that a good internet viewer does. Be one of our friends. Be part of our movie fan community. We're talking about all the new shows, all the new movies, pretty much everything that's happening right now that, you know, is worth talking about. Um, is that it? Is that is is that the the show? No, we got plenty no, more yeah. coming on. I love. By the way, um, I love how you said like a good internet viewer does. Like you're tapping. Yeah, on like, yeah good boy, good girl. You're doing a great job. We love you. So yeah, up next. Oh, that's right. We got some Roland Underground stuff. Roland the birthday special. This one is personal. Let's take a look. Oh, my light's off. Dang it. Hi, welcome to Roll Underground, where we talk about what's happening in the world above while in my grandparents' basements. I'm your host, the birthday boy. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, so it's my birthday. Um, as you can tell, I, I got the, the basic balloons and everything. You can't really see them. Anywho, so yeah, uh, it was it was good. Uh, it's not really my birthday anymore. It's past. Uh, I'm going to tell you what Zodiac sign I am. If you were a true fan, you would know when my birthday was. But uh, it, it was great. It was a good birthday. It was a great birthday. Um, 
I got a lot of things, including a new camera. I really hope that matched up in the edit. I hope it did. It probably didn't. Let's continue. Anywho. So yeah, it's my birthday. I want to talk a little bit about birthdays. You know, why do we celebrate them? Why are people so mean to leap year babies? Uh, what do you do during the birthday song and when they're singing it to you? These are questions we might get into this week. I don't know. Don't rush me. Not so long ago, in the mysterious land of Hickory, North Carolina, Roland was celebrating his birthday. So, you've been out of high school for like 13 years. I'm 22. 22. Um, over 21. 22. So my birthday this year was pretty chill, it was very nice, hung out with my girlfriend. Uh, we did the free day thing, you know, like where you go all around town, see where you can get free stuff for places. Here, here's a list. Um, what this list doesn't tell you is that pretty much every place you need the app. You need the app. Bro, just look at my license, look at this. I'm a customer, I was gonna buy some other stuff here, but I'm not anymore. What's going on? Now I, I look like an idiot. I'm wasting your time, you're wasting my time. It's, I hate it, it was the worst. I, we went to like maybe Dale, three places and it was garbage. I actually asked my family not to do the birthday song because it was just it was stressing me out. I never know what to do, it's ridiculous. What do you do? You just sit there. Do you smile, do you clap? Is clapping, a th can you sing to your own birthday song? Be honest, can you sing to your own birth? Has anybody done, please let me know if anybody's ever done this. Cause that sounds like a baller move. Uh, I, I I just went for cookies. I'm not even that big fan of a cake, honestly. I, it, a cake is too rich for me. I can't I can't do that, you know, it's 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 too much. A birthday, it's, it's stressful, you know, really, it, you know. When you get to a certain age, it's just like, oh, I'm turning one year older, but it's not even that, really, if you think about it. It's just stress, it's, you're popular for once. Has anybody ever noticed that? You're, you're like, your phone is just blowing up. It's like, happy birthday, happy birthday. You get phone calls from family members and you're like, oh, hi, thank you. Yes. I mean, it's nice. It's appreciated and it's, but it's just like weird because it's like, then you, <laughs> then you get salty when people don't wish you a happy birthday. You have this ego start going in your head. You know, it's terrible. I, this is a true story. This is literally what happened on my birthday. I was waiting for a couple people to wish me a happy birthday, and they didn't for the longest time. One waited until like 10 or so o'clock, and you know, it's like, what can you do? Because you want to like snap them, you want to send them a text, but it's like, oh, I can't, because then they're going to be like, oh gosh, yeah, uh, happy birthday, by the way. You know, you want them to come to the thought of their own, like, oh yeah, it's Roland's birthday, and maybe I should wish him a happy birthday. And my girlfriend was like, should I text them? I was like, no, no, don't, don't text them. Cause it's weird. Cause it's also a childish thing of like, why don't you wish me a happy birthday? You know, it's weird. I really wanted her to go behind my back and just like text them, you know, just like, hey, you should text Roland happy birthday. I don't know. That's the thing, you know, your ego just goes through the roof. See, I was going to say the beginning of the year babies, they should feel lucky, but at the same time they shouldn't. 
But let me let me say why I think they're kind of lucky. If they're like January babies, they can just make a list of who didn't wish them a happy birthday and who did. And whoever did, you know, you can wish them a happy birthday. And whoever didn't, they can, you know, whatever. I know for a fact that I told one of my friends happy birthday. I, I, I didn't remember if I got him a gift. I was pretty sure I got him a gift, but I guess I didn't. I don't know. I have a terrible memory. But apparently he was salty because... He didn't, t- he didn't say happy birthday. I was so upset. This is a really close friend of mine. He texted me at like 12, 11, something along that like AM. And he was like, oh, happy birthday, by the way. And I just responded with too late. And I just <laughs> I haven't talked to him. <laughs> it's very petty. Um, just because I'm turning a year older doesn't mean I'm becoming mature. Uh, age is re- irrelevant. But I do feel bad for, you know, beginning of the year, like January babies or really any winter babies, especially like December babies, because a lot of times, you know, their parents are just going to merge Christmas and their birthday together. It's ridiculous if they didn't. I don't know why they don't just like make a fake birthday, you know, like they, they make a birthday in the summertime. So it's like evenly matched. You, you have your birthday and six months after you get Christmas and then six months you have your birthday, you know, it's make it even. But no, those, those poor things, they just... And then they expect us to get two gifts within a month? Are you crazy? No, I'm not doing that. I don't have money to be spending like that. That's crazy. I just spent all my money on my other friends and family's Christmas gifts. It's insane. I don't want to do that, you know? And by the way, speaking of babies who have terrible birthday, leap year babies. Those poor things. Oh my gosh. Everybody is so mean to leap year babies, and I'm not here for it. I'm sick of it. You know what? Leap year babies, stand up for yourself. The next time somebody does a stupid joke, as in like, oh my gosh, uh, you're not turning 16, you're turning four, because of leap year. Screw you. You're a terrible person. You're horrible. You're truly. Oh my gosh, I don't know why this enrages me like it does, but I think it's stupid. I think it's a dumb joke. It's like, oh, it didn't make the day, so I guess it doesn't count. I, I don't agree with that. That's ridiculous. I Be nice to them. You know, I saw, like, this guy who, like, uh, he finally turns, like, 64, uh, but they were, like, the sweet 16 of this man, or, like, something stupid. Let the man be. He's 64. He can almost earn a, a retirement check. Let the man be. He's, he's heard the joke in his entire life. You know? I'm, I'm tired. I'm... We're going to move on. You know what's crazy? I don't even know anybody who has a leap year birthday. My parents have a leap year uh, anniversary. People still do dumb jokes. I don't know. Birthdays, they're like Christmas now. You know, it's like you wake up and you, you thought you'd be excited, but it's like, oh, this is just this feels kind of like a regular day. I guess it's, it's still special, but I, I don't know. Birthdays... They've always been weird to me. I've always had, like, weird... I've always tried to do something special for birthdays. I, I like planning things. I like planning parties. I planned a roast one time. That went terrible. Uh, it, like, there were some really good jokes, but, like, we were just, like, we were we were out of it. You know, like, we were just we were just tired, and, like, it wasn't... And you have to plan. You really have to plan a roast. And if somebody's a slacker, you know, then their jokes aren't going to be as good. And then there's always, like, somebody that's, like, super sensitive, and it's like, oh, I don't want to... I don't want to be included. But then they'll make chime in. Like, they'll chime in on the whole roast. It's like, no, you said you weren't going to do this, so you can't. No. If you don't want to be included, then you're not included. You can't say, oh, nobody can make fun of me, but you can be on the sidelines and heckle. No. I don't agree with it. It's, it's too much. It's I'm going too much. I apologize. But a roast is fun. Um, I don't really recommend it. I, 
I do recommend like getting out of town, you know, like go to escape room or, or rock climb or, or something along those lines. Just do something. You know what else is just like kind of pointless? It's just like those birthday shirts, you know, it's like, oh, today's my birthday. You know, like you have an old whole article of clothes. You don't really only wear that once a year, you know, you really can't do that. Or like, oh, I'm turning 22 today. You can wear that once in your life. Once in your life you can wear it. It's such a waste of money. It's ridiculous. I've seen that. Let's wrap this up. I'm getting a little too crazy. I'm, I'm like rambling. Um, I just want to thank everybody who wished me a happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, to those who didn't, it's fine. I was, I guess, a little offended, but it's like whatever. You know, I'm a, I'm a grown person. It's, 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 it's whatever. So shout out to all my Gemini homies and have a good birthday, y'all. Next week we have we have our, our, our choice of things to watch. Uh, I've heard "See How They Run" is supposed to be really good. Uh, it good. The Woman King trailer, uh, not super compelling to me. Maybe I I'll see it. that. However, uh, for me, it's the Clerks three for me, dog. That's what I'm gonna do. I I'm a I like Clerks. I loved Clerks too. Um, I don't know. <laughs> what the last five years or I guess how long has it been since Clerks 2? 10? 10 years maybe? Maybe, maybe more. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's been a lot more than five years. Yeah, a lot's changed uh, in the world. 15 years since Clerks 2 came out? Came out in 2006. I'm so wow. old. I loved Ooh. it when it came out. I hope Well, their poster uh, says they're too old for this shift. So It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to see what happens and how the voice of, has changed at all, it's, if it's consistent with the other movies. But those have always been so much fun um, because they are anti-Hollywood movies. They're just the opposite of everything that would happen. The first one was so low budget and so weird, it became a cult classic. And I yeah. think that that ended up being what funded the rest of his endeavors and made Kevin Smith who he is kevin smith yeah. yeah okay blank for a second um quick stroke <laughs> right here but um you know it was a, it's a it's a distinct comedic voice that i am looking forward to hearing again what is see how they run how is it different than knives out and why should i care <laughs> well it's uh it's 50s first okay. off um and it's also in London. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, Sam Rockwell and Shosha uh, Ronan. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. I, I'm so sorry. She's like explained it so many times in interviews. And I always feel so bad because I just like, I always like type it or I'm like looking at it, but I never like listen to those interviews. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think they're both doing like British accents um, and they're just, yeah, it's it's like you said. It's it's going to be kind of like a knives out feeling, you know. Uh, it's a uh, it's a little little mystery going on that they're trying to solve, and I like both of those actors, and they they do really well with the uh, the comedy. So we'll see how it goes. It's funny, you know, to get more of these stylized um, period pieces, you know, <laughs> like that. I feel like, you know, the we've talked about this so many times, but like the escapism thing um, into other other time periods and like super heavy stylist stylized stuff it's a reflection of 
our desire to not exist in this time. Yeah. I would really like to see, I don't know, maybe the world, the state of the world needs to just change for us to be like, let's have a movie that takes place now where it's fun. And it's, it's hey, hard Top to Gun do Maverick that. Maverick took place now. Top Gun Maverick and it's fun. did it. And it, that's just the same. thing is like Top Gun was, they were able to keep everything pretty self-contained, but it's it's weird because it didn't it didn't comment on anything actually going on and it didn't i'm okay with that you know, I, yeah no it wasn't like a political movie which was yeah. pretty neat um but it was like it it took place it was sort of a you know in a bottle you know it's this it's town. a timeless movie you can like watch that movie 20 years from now and it will still hit you in mostly the same ways some of the technology will probably seem outdated and you can recognize the time it was made in based on like the fighter just they're flying or the the carriers they're on and stuff but but other than that it it's pretty the story was timeless like everything everywhere yeah. all at once was yeah pretty timeless no this that's all this but in terms of just the world and how we're observing ourselves it's like we could we could stand to have a bit more fun and to see that reflected in the movies but not maybe too much that's fun, part of like she hulk well, does sometimes I don't know. uh i wouldn't i wouldn't say that or maybe that's, that's not the right there. kind of fun it's uh, on the topic um, of escapism and She-Hulks. What tell me? Do you know about the uh, the Woman King? Like, what's what's that all about? So, I mean, the Woman King. It's uh, I'm pretty sure this is based on. It's it's based on a. It's based on. It's based on like a real story of a of a kingdom in Africa where you know uh, the the Woman King ruled. I forget um, what's her name. What's her name? I mean, Viola Davis is playing the lead. She is the woman king. You've also got Joan Boyega in there. I think Lashana Lynch is in there. They've got a, they've got a, you know, heavy hitter, uh, uh, a cast. It's 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 a movie that's basically I think a war movie where it's like European colonizers are coming over and to colonize their nation or their kingdom. And I think you know the idea is that they're gonna defend the king. I think it's the kingdom of Dahomey. Dahomey. Which, which was historically one of the most powerful states of Africa in the 18th and 19th centuries. So this is, like I said, loosely at least based on real life events. So, um, and the trailers say as much. I think show as much uh, that it's 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 like their defense. And then if you watch, it, it gets pretty brutal. I I don't I, th I think this is rated R, uh, as far as I'm aware. Um, and it's been getting some good feedback at Toronto Film Festival. So, they didn't go to Venice. I think they went to Toronto. So, um, yeah. Well, that's sort of the the, the choices you have. It's, you know, are you going to see the low-budget indie comedy? Are you going to go see the heavily stylized murder mystery from the 1950s? Or are you going to go see a, uh, let's call it an Afro-feminist war feature? Um, what, do you, what do you like? What, what's your choice? For me, probably Clerks this week. Um, if I feel real silly and I want to see, see how they run as well, Maybe I'll do that. And if I'm really nuts, I'll go and I'll see all three and I'll tell you how I feel about it. every single one of them. What yeah. are you looking at, Roland? What do you want to go see? Um, I was a big fan of Hail Caesar and I'm getting that vibe from See How They Run. So I think I'm just going to straight shoot it. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to see See How They Run. See How They Run? And then Clark's yeah. reason playing anywhere I, I, really? I live, so I can't. Yeah. It's a limited release, I think. I don't, I mean, you know, it's just much I'm going to seek it out. And yeah. More of an indie. I am also actually leaning towards the other one. I, I, for a while, I wanted to go see The Woman King first, but 
I'm going to probably wait to see what other people say about it before I go see it because I think it will be a more it'll be a, it would be a tougher maybe to sit through like not in the sense that it'll be a, I'm saying it's a bad movie I'm just saying it's it's the kind of movie that it, it will maybe take more of an emotional toll where I see how they run much like Knives Out just feels like you're going to go and have a fun time at the movies so yeah, yeah. that's why I want to try that first because I think there's more of a risk free proposition and then if the woman king is getting good reviews and good feedback from audiences as well as you know critics then I'll probably go check that out afterward yeah i'm just generally not a war guy uh, in terms of movies i don't enjoy war movies unless it's i mean i like war movies high concept like yeah. you know how everything played out geopolitically i have no patience and this i would make a horrible soldier um but it's like i would i i don't find war movies entertaining in that way yeah i mean it's like so saving private ryan i've seen it multiple Hate times it. but i can probably only sit through and watch it once a year at most because it's hard to like the first 30 minutes alone of that movie yeah. like drain you so it's yeah. or like Schindler's, Schindler's list is even worse it's like there's less violence but it's a heavy heavy watch like it's, I it's, like Schindler's list more than uh, saving private Ryan I, I, I don't know where casts. I would rank the two comparatively you know relative to each other but but still like regardless I think like I can't like I said I can't watch those movies Schindler's List I can probably not maybe not even watch once a year that's probably more like once every other or once every three years because it's it's like it's that's the generous because the rewatch yeah. yeah it does its job but it does it so well that I'm like I don't want to go into that mindset more than maybe once every few years <laughs> any Hacksaw uh, Ridge fans never seen it never gone yeah. never seen it but it's I've heard. Like it. Didn't Garf Andrew Garfield like? He, I think he got nominated at, or did he win? Yeah. For, it's like it's a cute. It's yeah. like wow. Well, a cute is probably Oscar. not the best word, but it's it's like yeah. it's hopeful, you know. It's it's about a, a good guy and he's just he's trying to lead a good Christian life and not yeah. kill anybody in World War Two. It's sort so. of like hmm. it's sort of like you know Forrest Gump when he was in Vietnam, except like everything that happens after, the movie is not. That's a movie. that's a great one. That's a good yeah. one. You can watch well, Forrest Gump, I think, like several times a year, and it'll be it's an easy watch. All right, we're going to watch Lao Sing Chata. Okay. But um, <laughs> tell us what you're going to go see and what you want to uh, get reviews for, because this is a two-way street. We don't, you know, we, we're making the content for you to watch, for you to enjoy, and for you to be part of the discussion. So join our movie fan community. Be part of the conversation. Um, because at the end of the day, movies are for people. We're people. We're talking about them. And we would like them to be better. And that's What movie would you like for us to review? I guess that's yeah. what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, why don't you yeah. tell us? Why don't you tell us that? And uh, thank you for watching. We'll be back next week and throughout the week on all the different platforms. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, and more. We'll see you next week. Have a good time. <laughs> Bye.